The United States and Russia engaged in a bitter diplomatic brawl at the UN Security Council this week over the Ukraine crisis. The situation we're facing in Europe is urgent and dangerous. And tensions show little sign of de-escalating. And the stakes for Ukraine and for every UN member state could not be higher. The White House said it had developed, quote, specific sanction packages to strike at Russian elites who were, quote, in or near the inner circle of the Kremlin, should President Vladimir Putin order an invasion of Ukraine. Last week, we talked about how Brazil is positioning itself diplomatically between Moscow and Washington. This week, we're breaking protocol a little bit and revisiting the issue for a second straight episode, but this time to talk about the economic risks that the Russia-Ukraine tensions pose to Brazil. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. The most punishing sanctions that U.S. officials have threatened to impose on Russia could cause severe inflation, a stock market crash, and other forms of financial panic that would inflict pain on the Russian people from billionaires to government officials to middle-class families. But it would also have ripple effects across the globe. It's, it's almost economic suicide to a certain degree to cut production in Russia or deliveries to Western Europe. So that's tough. Brazil's economy is particularly vulnerable to external shocks, and it could feel the pinch from an escalation of tensions between the U.S. and Russia. Today, we welcome Mario Braga, a senior political risk analyst at Contra Risks Brazil. Mario has written for the Brazilian Report in the past and even hosted one episode of Explaining Brazil years ago. Today, he's here as a guest. So, Mario, thanks for being with us today. Well, that's true. Thanks, Gustavo. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. The White House says an invasion of Ukraine by Russia could happen at any time. Uh, and our concern is that Russia may make the serious mistake of attempting to rehash what it undertook back in 2014. Do you agree with that assessment? I mean, what does contra risk see as being the most likely scenarios right now? Well, Gustavo, for us, uh, the talks are unlikely to result in any breakthrough. Um, but uh, a conflict, a military conflict, is still the outlier scenario. The most likely scenario for us uh, is that there will be an escalation short of an open military conflict. Uh, and that can take the form, for example, of a hybrid warfare. We are talking about, for example, uh, cyber attacks trying to destabilize uh, Ukraine or, for example, further support of Russia to rebels in the eastern part of Ukraine, something of the sorts. And that would be in, in the intention of uh, the Kremlin to increase pressure on Ukraine. So Ukraine calculates that it's a better for them uh, to perhaps not join NATO or give up the, a membership possibility than risk uh, a scenario of war. So that would be our uh, most likely scenario. 
Uh, the credible alternative is that Russia will try this same outcome through other means, which would be a prolonged pressure on Ukraine. So instead of an escalation in the short term, they would just keep this uh, troop build up for months in the border with Ukraine, uh, trying to put pressure not only in, on Ukraine, but also on, on the West and NATO and the European Union. So their security demands are also uh, met. And that would also, again, try to uh, have this outcome that somehow the Ukraine membership uh, to NATO would be uh, out of the, the cards. And then the outlier scenario would be an invasion. So uh, although uh, it's not that it's not impossible, but it's unlikely, right? And in this scenario, we see, uh, for example, an invasion to the eastern part of the country as more likely than uh, a conflict that would reach, for example, the capital Kiev on the west portion. Of Ukraine, so that's how our control risks assesses uh, the likelihood of these scenarios playing out. But of course, this is an evolving situation. And just yesterday, uh, control risks rose the war risk uh, rating for eastern Ukraine uh, to medium from low, but still highlighting that uh, a military conflict is still unlikely. But even if an invasion is not the base scenario for you. Prolonged tensions will nevertheless have a big impact on the markets, right? I mean, commodity prices have gone up as of late, and one may think upon a first glance that that would be positive for the Brazilian economy, considering how commodity-driven it is. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you're right uh, when we talk about like how it would impact global markets and the Brazilian economy as well. I think we, we have to understand that, for example, although Ukraine and Russia are not major uh, trade partners of Brazil, they play a key role in uh, especially commodity markets, right? So we're talking about energy commodities like natural gas and oil, but also uh, uh, in terms of wheat, right, and gra grains. Although there is uh, this positive angle when we talk about, yes, uh, oil prices are, are up, wheat prices are, are, always, are also likely to increase, we have the scenario that, one, either if there is a conflict or, or something of the sort, the global offer for these two types of commodities will decline, then we will have uh, a shock price, right? Like prices will uh, increase. Uh, and that will favor, as you mentioned, if we think about Uh, companies in the energy space, they, they will have higher profits. Uh, so they probably have like a better performance in the stock markets. But that's uh, just one angle to see how this plays out. Because basically from a bigger picture, the scenario that we have a conflict ex escalation that we have involving uh, Russia, we have involving uh, possibly NATO, that creates uh, an environment that One, as you mentioned, even if there's not a conflict, but just uh, a prolonged escalation or a prolonged tension in the border, a uh, scenario of uncertainty, right? And that's kind of a catchphrase. Investors do not like uncertainty. Uh, and this kind of scenario generates a movement that is well known as the flight to safety. So in a, a middle scenario of uncertainty, of a scenario of an open conflict, it's very likely that investors will withdraw their investments from uh, higher risk assets. And that includes, of course, developing economies such as Brazil. Uh, and they will try to invest those in the safest uh, asset known, which are the treasury bonds in the US. Uh, so that scenario of flight to safety would first kind of reduce the attractiveness of uh, emerging markets, uh, economies and assets and mainly stock markets, and would result in an appreciation of the dollar against other reserves. So if we're talking about Brazil, we'd have a weaker uh, real uh, in the coming months. And that, of course, have a, has a lot of implications as well. And 
I mean, it's not as if Brazil needed additional risks, right, with an election looming. But uh, we are talking, for example, mostly when we talk about if we're talking about like oil prices and uh, wheat prices going up and that in a global scale, we're talking about an inflationary scenario, right? So uh, prices would go up and they would affect, of course, the Brazilian economy. We have all this debate around a Petrobras uh, pricing policy uh, and we would certainly have higher uh, fuel prices, which are uh, have already been like a concern for months now, something that uh, has uh, bothered uh, the president. He has been talking about how to deal with that. Uh, and of course, there are discussions, but we have a fiscal a limited capacity to deal with it. Uh, and this inflation, uh, like rising inflation, is especially troublesome for Brazil because uh, there is a study of Oxford Economics, which uh, is a control risks uh, partner. They are an economic consultancy that shows that among Latin American major economies, and then we're talking about uh, Chile, Colombia, Peru, and Mexico, for instance, Brazil is the one that is uh, especially exposed to imported inflation. So if we have higher global prices and a depreciation of the currency, Brazil will be the one that will have a higher impact on its domestic inflation. And of course, we are excluding uh, Venezuela and Argentina, which they have their own uh, kind of inflation uh, dynamics, right? Right. Mato, sorry to interrupt you, but why is Brazil more exposed than these smaller economies? Yeah, I think that one point that uh, Oxford Economics makes is that, uh, for example, we have a lot of our uh, industrial inputs, they are imported. So once international prices rise or the depreciation of the currency, you bring that to the kind of the entire supply chain of industrial output, uh, or for example, how we are heavily reliant on road transportation. So a price increase in oil would uh, kind of undoubtedly have a major impact on kind of uh, many aspects of the economy, right? It wouldn't be concentrated in, in one area or another. So these are kind of ways to see how we would be kind of mostly uh, impacted. And then I think that we think about how this would have a negative impact as well. We have to think about the reaction to an inflationary uh, scenario. Uh, we will have at a global scale, probably central banks uh, rising interest rates. So if you think about the Federal Reserve, again, that's another factor that would uh, draw resources to the US economy and again, lead to a depreciation of other currencies, including the real. As the exchange rate plays a major role in determining the inflation environment in Brazil, we would also have incentives for the Brazilian central bank to adopt an increasingly uh, strict monetary policy, right? And we know that as of now, the effect of the mo monetary policy on the economy are already uh, contractionist, like they're negative on the GDP, on the output. So this would be taken to like a further extent. And if now the economists consulted by the central bank uh, estimate that we reach 2022 with like something around uh, 0% growth, like a stable, uh, the likelihood then would be that Brazil would probably uh, fall into a recession in 2022 on the back of this kind of negative developments related to how this scenario in Ukraine would play out. So is the government taking action to prevent an even bigger price shock from hurting Brazilian consumers? Because President Jair Bolsonaro has vented a few ideas uh, about how to lower prices at the pump, but not pushed any of them forward. What's going on there? Yeah, I think that's something that has been very tricky and that's something that the government has uh, struggled to, to deal with, right? Uh, 
it's interesting to see like this kind of approach for example, from the president saying that if he could, he would just simply uh, privatize Petrobras. So he, it wouldn't be his fault that uh, fuel prices are, are going up, which perhaps wouldn't be uh, the best decision as uh, a Petrobras would like in, in, be have like increasing incentives to just uh, stick to this international uh, pricing policy and kind of not have this concern, this, at least the political pressure that uh, it currently has. It has been shielded uh, like the current administration of the company has not kind of bent to uh, political pressure, but you have this kind of interplay of, of interest, right? And I think that the government has trying has been trying to discuss alternatives such as the creation of a fund, a stabilizing fund. So when international prices are up, they, they could use to those like resort to those uh, resources and kind of try to cushion this uh, the price hike in Brazil, but that is unlikely, and and it seems like it's not even being discussed anymore. So it seems like there is little that the uh, administration can do because a direct interference in Petrobras uh, pricing policy is uh, rather unlikely. Uh, one of the reasons for that is that following the Lava Jato, the the car wash operation, and how uh, the Petrobras was scrutinized not only by uh, like Brazilian oversight and investigative bodies, uh, it it also took place in the U.S. For example, so Petrobras uh, closed deals with the SEC, and uh, it was like subject of like lawsuits by minority shareholders. Uh, so now it has a very little like wiggle room to to have the discretionary uh, decision that it would adopt a political decision over pricing policies over one that favors its own interests or the interests of its shareholders. So it seems that, for example, something that from a broader picture could contribute to the reduction of like fuel prices is the foreign exchange rate, right? Uh, one of the reasons why fuel prices are up is because the real has weakened against the US dollar. And partial, partially, this movement has to do, as we were talking about before, with how the domestic scenario is perceived by investors. And if the scenario we have is a scenario of heightened political risk of uncertainty, as you mentioned, uh, investors and business people are asking themselves, what is the likelihood that Bolsonaro will do something if he loses the election or something of the sorts? Or on the other hand, concerns around the fiscal uh policy of the, the administration, of how the public debt is evolving, all these, uh, they have a direct impact on uh, the foreign exchange rate, which in turn has a direct impact on fuel prices and inflation. So if we had a better domestic scenario, and that's something that the administration could help, but is unlikely to do so, perhaps it would be an effective way of having like lower overall prices because of the foreign exchange rate and specifically when it comes to fuel as well. We'll be right back. We at The Brazilian Report have launched an in-depth report telling you everything you need to know to prepare yourself for this year in Brazil. You might already know that Brazil will elect a new president in October, and there are several other issues you should be aware of such as the impacts of China's recent transformations on Brazil, the extreme climate events that will affect Brazilian agriculture, the state of congressional elections, and which way the economy is likely to go. You can purchase the report on our website and all of our listeners can enjoy a special 22% discount. Just use the promo code EXPLAINING22. 
So, Mario, the U.S. and Europe are threatening Russia with sanctions if they move ahead with an invasion. Could Brazil benefit from those sanctions or, I mean, how will Brazil be affected by them? Where do we compete with Russia or uh, in which sectors do we rely on Russia? Yeah, in that scenario, something that uh, we have mapped that uh, may have a negative impact on Brazil is that one of the key trading uh, components from like the, this relationship, Brazil-Russia, uh, is fertilizers. So we import fertilizers from Russia. Uh, in a scenario in which Russia uh, is kind of uh, banned from international markets or uh, like it's banned from the financial uh, system because of the SWIFT system used for international transactions, uh, again, we would have that same uh, rationale that a lower offer would uh, result in price increases for fertilizers, right? So that would likely affect uh an important input of the agribusiness in Brazil. And then we would have to see if the global market would be able to provide uh, enough uh, product even at a higher price or if at the very limit we would have like uh, this kind of lack of uh, fertilizers and that would have an impact on the productivity of the harvest in Brazil, something of the of those sorts. But that would be a negative impact for uh, the agribusiness uh, somehow if Russia is sanctioned to the extent that we would be unable to um, import fertilizers from them, for instance. Uh, there are economists that have been uh, kind of crunching, have been crunching the numbers and, for example, saying that, well, Russia sells a lot of natural gas to, to Europe, right? Uh, if that uh, is sanctioned and they are no longer allowed to do that, which would be their options? And one of them would be kind of the, this gas pipeline through Siberia, and they would be able to sell at least part of that natural gas to China. And China would become a key trading partner uh, of Russia in this scenario, in part because China would not be uh, like linked or abiding by these uh, Western sanctions. And it's interesting to see how that would affect like Russia's domestic economy and the global economy overall. Because from a Russian perspective, although it wouldn't be able to sell the same volume to China as it sells to the entire EU, for example, but in that scenario, uh, natural gas and oil prices would be so like higher up that it would kind of even out this difference of volume, right? Uh, so for Russia, uh, they may have alternatives. It's likely that China would become not only like a strategic trading partner, but kind of an ally. And this kind of notion that Russia and China would oppose uh, the West. But overall, I guess what we are talking about, about the economy is really kind of an inflationary driver uh, coming from like oil prices and having this kind of trickle down effect on the economy and rising overall prices uh, across the globe. All major parties in this possible conflict are relevant markets for Brazil. The US and the European Union are huge trading partners. And Russia is important for Brazilian agribusiness, as you just said, and not to mention that Russia is also a part of the BRICS alliance with uh, India, China and South Africa as well. Where would Brazil be better off positioning itself amid this conflict? Yeah, that's that's super interesting because uh, when control risks uh, issued, it's like a risk map 2022 last year. One of the risks uh, we were flagging for this year was exactly this uh, global repositioning and how 
these kind of major powers are aligning themselves and how other countries would align themselves within this power shift, right? And I guess that that's exactly the case here. Uh, and Brazil is even more in the spotlight because of uh, President Jair Bolsonaro's visit uh, to, to Moscow uh, later uh, this month. And of course, I guess we cannot expect Brazil to play any similar role, for example, in terms of the negotiations or having this kind of prominent uh, proactive uh, role, right? As, for example, former president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva did when he tried to kind of broker this deal with Iran and, and Turkey was also involved. So I think that's uh, kind of not, not an option, not a scenario that we would consider likely at the moment. Uh, Brazil has historically, like our foreign policy, been of like non-interventionism, of like a peaceful negotiations and uh, things of these sorts. And I guess that uh, that would be the most likely scenario, especially from Itamaraty, right, from our diplomats. But that said, Brazil will be in a tricky position that President Jair Bolsonaro's visit to Russia will put in a position that uh, Vladimir Putin will likely expect Brazil to be somewhat uh, constructive or supportive of not necessarily a conflict, of course, but of Russia's demands, again, like vis-a-vis -vis NATO or the West, while, of course, uh, the US, on the other hand, will also uh, increase pressure on Brazil to abide by uh, Western sanctions or any kind of measure that uh, the U.S. and its allies decide to, to push forward with. Now, the U.S. has recently urged President Bolsonaro not to go ahead with his planned visit to Russia, which is scheduled for mid-February. Well, the visit was organized well before these tensions arose. What is the message that Bolsonaro is sending by not calling it off? Yeah, I think that that's the the tricky spot Brazil has been, like, found itself, right? Uh, it's not like an automatic uh, perception among the international community that this visit means that Brazil is a close ally of Russia's or that Brazil, by keeping this meeting, is supporting an invasion or, or, or anything like that. Uh, but when we talk about, like, international diplomacy, uh, when you visit another head of state or when you have this kind of uh, demonstrations, they are somewhat demonstrations of support or of acknowledgement of the other foreign leaders' uh, prestige or something, right? Um, so in that context, I think that Brazil would just be under the scenario that would be under pressure of the U.S., as you mentioned before. The U.S. will inc increasingly uh, put pressure on Brazil. And, and I was, was going to mention before, Brazil uh, has just secured that uh, kind of uh, spot in the in the seat in the NATO Security Council, right, for the next two years, 2022-2023. So not only it has this kind of uh, demonstration by the visit or kind of a public statement or something, but Brazil will actually have a vote, for example, uh, in the event of an escalation to a conflict or other sorts of developments related to the Russia-Ukraine border, that will likely be a topic of the Security Council, UN Security Council. So uh, Brazil will again be in the spotlight as it's now um, a non-permanent member. So it would be just this, uh, I think, country that would be disputed by these two different uh, powers, the US and Russia. And it's not like we, we cannot expect, for example, of course, like sanctions or, or anything of the sorts, but that plays a role. For example, oh, Brazil 
is planning to join the OECD. So maybe this will become a leverage for these, uh, the EU or the US to say, okay, if maybe your path can be easier if you abide or if you stick to our side of the story. These are the elements that may come uh, as topics of interest of the, these players involved. Mario, thank you very much. Thank you, Gustavo. It's a pleasure. Mario Braga is a senior political risk analyst at Control Risks Brazil. If you like Explaining Brazil, please drop us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second and it will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.